Brilliant. So seconds out, delighted to be joined by living legend, I think it's fair to say, or certainly cult hero, Derek Chisora, War Chisora. How you doing? Yeah. I'm doing all right, man. How are you, man? How are you coping with this uh, whole situation? I'm starting to get a bit bored of it now. <laughs> I didn't mind it at first, kind of a bit of extra rest, but yeah, starting to do my head in a little bit now. What about you? Uh, you know what? I'm, a, I'm just adapting every day, man. Just trying to find new things to do. Wake up, go running, come back, hang out with the family, or just watch TV. Have you got a lot of kind of facilities where you live that you can use? Like, have you got a punch bag, weights, and things like that at home? Uh, no, no, not really. I just got, I just got, the, I just got the Hampstead Heathen right across the road from me. So I just go in there and mess around in there sometimes. How, what's kind of your training situation at the moment? Because you've got the fight with Usyk, but it hasn't got a new date yet. So how much are you putting in at the moment? I'm just putting what I can, to be honest with you. You know, uh, 45 minutes in the, in the park, you know, just moving things around, moving logs, you know, just find something to just, which is heavy to move around with. So, and that's what I'm doing, running, skipping, the usual stuff. What's the latest you're hearing in terms of the Usyk fight? Because it hasn't got a specific date. It's obviously set for the O2, but they're talking about boxing coming back behind closed doors, which wouldn't really work for you and Usyk's massive fight. Yeah, you know what? Listen, it, behind closed doors, yeah, it's going to happen anyway, but we just have to figure out when it's going to happen. I want to fight if it's behind closed doors or not, or not behind closed doors. I'm just ready to fight you know i'm only like i'm i'm running on my body weight it's, it's, it's okay i'm a bit, I'm a bit of a chubby right now but <laughs> i can lose that easy <laughs> I, think, I think you've got a good excuse you know? you know what i mean everyone's like restricted aren't they you yeah know, everybody is restricted how do you feel about fighting behind closed doors if it does happen because you're hugely popular in the uk those you know oh Derek is or those chants you know you can hear them through the tv they're so loud so, how do you feel about doing it with no crowd? That's going to be hard. You have to find motivation somewhere. You know, I think uh, we have to adapt to this situation. So, I figure out, like, if we do behind closed doors, I think we'll have more like uh, a recording of, like, the fans in the arena, you know, during the, during, like, during, the, during the fight time, I think we'll try and make with Sky to play a, uh, to play sound effects of the people in the in the crowd, you know, sh chanting names, you know, singing songs, you know, to just get it buzzing, you know, like like how they do in Hollywood, like in Rocky, you know, like suddenly in Rocky's got twenty thousand viewers, but really in truth, there's only about six people in it. So that's the whole that's the whole point, you know. So we'll see what happens anyway. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea to me. Um, when the fight does go ahead, when you're able to go back into training camp, are you going to be working with Steve Brown again as you did for your last fight? Oh, no, no, Steve Brown is no longer with us. He's not, not in a bad way, but he's moved on. He's got another situation going on. You know, I've got a couple of trainers I've got in mind I might just have come and train me and stuff like that. Are you, because you've had a few trainers in your career now, are you easy to train? Are you easy to kind of work with? You know, boxing is so easy. Um, when you've been in the game like myself, you can just get someone and you just sit down with somebody and tell them, listen, this is how, what we want. Like David, David sits down with them and tell them, okay, we find this guy. So this is the shots we need to be practicing every day, every day. And then it gets a bit boring and that's what we do. 
everything else for me just comes natural because I've learned it from the last 10 years of my career, basically. So, uh, uh, so when I'm in the ring, I can just do what I've been taught, taught time ago and put a new stuff I'm learning now. So it's, it's, it's okay. The past run of fights that you've had, including Takam, David Price, destroying Arthur Spilker, which a lot of people thought would be a hard fight for you because he's a Southpaw. Is this the best run of your career? Yeah, you know why? I, I give all the victory to uh, Almighty Jesus Christ, you know, because at one point in Monaco, I thought I was done, you know, and I was like, you know, I have to come back and change certain things in my life. And then uh, one of the things I did most was being born again and uh, starting to church a lot. And I think that saved me. And then that started make, opening so many paths for me, you know. You know, if you hear Muhammad Ali saying, listen, those points, I was training so hard every day, doing everything right. But there's one thing missing, him praying. And then he's lost a couple of fights. And then he went back from losing fights by first praying before he walks in the ring or before he does everything in his life. And that's just opened so many gateways for him like, by being a great fighter. So I took that implement of like myself. I have to give myself to the almighty Jesus Christ. And so I can be a better man in myself and training wise. So I, I enjoyed it. Uh, that's one of the things that's changed my life, basically. With that in mind, have you kind of missed going to church while all this has been going on? Is it left a bit of a void? Oh, man, church is on Zoom now. <laughs> <laughs> Just put some in your pyjamas and you're at church already, man. Maybe so, it's better uh, that way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's better. You don't have to give up your your your, your fees anyway, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no collection plate. Yeah, I like it. No collection plate, yeah. <laughs> What, what do you make of um, Usyk as a fighter? We know he's excellent at cruiserweight, but what do you make of him coming up to, to your weight class? Listen, you, Usyk is a fox. He's a fox. You know, he's, he's very good, man. The guy, the guy's unbelievable. You know, I think I just have to, just have to bite my gum shield and just go with it. Yeah, I mean, that seems to have worked out pretty well for you so far. And we don't know if he can deal with someone of your size with your work rate and skills at heavyweight? We don't know, but he must know something I don't know. So, uh, you know what? It's going to be a good fight either way with people, with a crowd at all to you or with a crowd at home. It's going to be amazing. So what, 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 what me and David are trying to do is try and be in the best shape we can be and, and uh, do the best fight we can, you know, give the fans what they want to see. And six number one contender for the heavyweight title, obviously with the WBO. It, should you beat him, would you expect to inherit that title shot and you'd be next in line? Well, uh, that, if that's possible. But you know what? I always say this before. You know, uh, fights sometimes don't have to have a title behind them to be good fights. You know, uh, it can be like two guys just fighting for no reason, but they're just fighting for the passion of boxing. So for me, I don't really, I don't really care, to be honest with you. I just want to fight Usyk, beat Usyk and see where I am in the rankings. There's always been questions about whether you and Anthony Joshua would actually fight because you're both former Finchley Boxing Club boys. He has said in the past he really looked up to you when he was getting into boxing. Is that a fight oh, yeah, that would happen? Money talks. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Let's see it. I think AJ will be happy to do it, you know, because you know, everything is in AJ's driving seat. You know, uh, if he wants to do it, he'll do it. If you don't want to do it, he won't do it. Everything is everything is up to Adrian. Looking at AJ and seeing that he used to look up to you as a kid and where he is now, it must really like underline to you how long you've been involved in boxing. It's kind of been most of your life. 
Yeah, you know, because I remember when I walked in Finchley and I see AJ, he was the first guy there, you know, in the gym before they opened the gym, to be honest, at the doors. And then he was sitting in the dressing room and then he was the last guy to leave. So I knew exactly he was going to go further than, than everybody thought he would. And um, and he's a great athlete in himself, you know, and plus what he's done, what he's done for boxing, him and Eddie and Sky, they've like produced so much money in boxing now, which is unbelievable for everybody, you know, because remember when Vladimir and Vitaly had it, there was not much money for everybody in it because the brothers were keeping it to themselves. But AJ now is coming the game. He's just put massive injection in the game in like proper money. You know, people, people are falling in love with boxing. People didn't love boxing anymore like for the last 10 years and like come back in boxing because they love what's happening and then you got the gypsy king with the antwilder dylan white so you know boxing is a uh, is peak right now and we're loving it you've had a lot of controversial moments in your past for a long time you were kind of the man people love to hate but at this stage of your career you've become a bit of a hero you're very popular now uh, do, you, do you prefer it that way do you like being liked i don't know Depends. Depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> Depends. But you know what? I think I think what happened was the fans back like we're talking about a couple of time ago, the fans wanted a fighter who can box and don't talk crap. But I was talking crap and I was fighting. They didn't like that. They realized, hold on, if we pay money to go watch this guy, he's gonna give us a good fight either way. So we know I'd rather get back behind him and stuff like that. And I do that. You know, I like I like to get in the ring and fight. You know, I can't I, you know, I always say this, I can't box. You know, boxing for me is not it's not my my thing, but I know how to fight. I think you're being a bit hard on yourself. You don't win an ABA title if you can't box and you know, we've seen you box as a pro as well. You've got good head movement, your footwork's pretty good, your punch selection's good. You can box a bit, do you know what I mean? You're not you're, you're not like an uneducated slugger. Uh, that's exactly why I am. I like, I like to slug. I think you just like people underestimating you and expecting you to just be a brawler. That's the whole point. Yeah, I like I like to be a brawler. I like to go in and look for a fight. And do you feel you've mellowed a bit as you've got older? I think uh, being a father of two girls, I think yeah, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you finding fatherhood? Because it comes with its own challenges. Do you know what? Yeah, it comes with your own challenges, but you know what? Um, to be honest, I don't do most work anyway. I just leave it to the other half. <laughs> and you, you, you've got a farm, is that right? Yeah, I used to live on a farm, but I don't Not live anymore. on a farm Not anymore. Yeah, I wish I was there right now in this quarantine. To be honest with you, well, why did you give it up? Because mm, the other half wanted to move into Hampstead, so now I'm back in North London. Oh, yeah, exactly, oh dear. <laughs> you, you missed the farming lifestyle. You can always go back when you retire, maybe. Um, you don't understand. I am planning on it. Do you, do you ever think about retirement? Because you're still in great form in your career, so it's probably hard to. Hey, listen, you know what? I'm sorry to say this, man, on your, on your, on your broadcast, but I always say retirement is for pussies, man. I don't want to retire yet. I want to retire when... when I'll retire when God tells me it's time to retire. When I kneel down and I see the signs, and I'm like, okay, it's time. But for me right now, I'm at it. Are there, what are the remaining ambitions? Obviously, a world title's got to be won, but apart from that, are there any boxes you still want to tick? <laughs> just want to give good fights. I just want to get in the ring, fight and fight and fight. 
I still love going training. You know, I still love doing all the runs, the sprints, everything I'm given. I like to beat my own records and stuff like that. I still love it. Uh, I, I just want to keep fighting. That's it. Brilliant. And just before I let you go, any message for your fans out there that just want to know how Derek Chisora is getting on in isolation? Yeah, man. So anything for you fans out there, you know what? Uh, I figure out because sooner or later the government's gonna let us go out, go out, out and about. So I figure out. I made a couple like almost like fifty thousand of this mask. So I'm gonna be giving them away for free anyway. So you can DM me. I got a watch Zora Union jacket as well coming. They're coming out, so I'll be giving them out for free for those fans out there. So you can roll, you know, on the training style, you know, and go to a restaurant in style representing. Brilliant. Well. Soon boxing will be back soon anyway. Good stuff. Well, really appreciate your time. I'm glad we got to do this. And um, thank you can't very wait much. to see you when boxing's back. Oh, thanks, brother. Thank you very much. Take care, Del. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. I thought we were on. I'm sorry, I didn't know. We, I, we, we weren't on before, right? No, no, we're going to be oh. on in a second. <laughs> Where are you? Los Angeles? Los Angeles, yes. Santa Monica. Nice. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, likewise. <clears throat> this is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Via Zoom, I'm joined by ESPN's Mark Kriegel from Los Angeles. Mark, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, likewise, Mark. Um, so you broke a story, I think, a couple of days ago now uh, regarding Fury and Joshua. And we've learned since then that NDAs have been signed by both parties. Is that correct, Mark? Well, to my understanding, it's uh, three or four parties. It would include Top Rank. It would include Queensberry. It would include MTK. Um, and also uh, Eddie Hearn's concern as well. Yeah, when I said both parties, I meant both sides. So, of course, we know with Tyson. All sides. There are a lot of sides in this, Umar. Definitely. We know with Tyson, there's three sort of uh, entities involved, uh, with Frank Warren, Top Rank, and, and uh, MTK. And, of course, with Joshua, a bit, bit more simpler, with just Matram and Eddie So, talks have begun. Um, potential offers are being made from Saudi Arabia to MTK. Is that all correct, Mark? Yes. How realistic is it we, you think we get that fight next, considering the pandemic we're in at the moment and also the fact that we've got contract side from Pulev's side uh, to fight Joshua and from um, Fury's side to fight Wilder? I, I can't answer your question on the, the pandemic side because that, that's, a, that's a separate issue. You're going to need testing. That's, that's something else. I do think, however, the pandemic creates even more pressure for this to happen. And there was a substantial amount of pressure before the pandemic. Promoters are going to want to make up for their losses. No one's making any money um, during the pandemic. So I think when we get out on the back end, you're going to see fights that you would not have seen um, or, or 
you will, you will expect fights that weren't necessarily likely um, b before the pandemic because people are going to want to make up for the money. The question of how likely it is, it all depends on how much the offer from the Saudi concern is. Um, and if there are any other competing offers from, from other countries in the Middle East as, as well, I understand that everyone says they have contracts now, but this is boxing. And as you know, the, what, what speaks more than box office is money. And ultimately, what that number is, the number they get back from the Saudi promoters, will determine how they proceed. The idea that they've signed NDAs means to me that this is not a BS story. It's a real story. Um, you know, and everyone can deny all they want. We, I understand that Fury and Wilder have a contract. It's Wilder's um, prerogative to fight. He, he exercised it immediately. I understand why he would want to. But he, you know, he would have his own concerns and he would make, in theory, more money from stepping aside than from not stepping aside. Well, I mean, you, you get money to do, in theory, you get money to do, to do nothing. Um, Pulev is, is a much more problematic um, concern. You're supposed to fight in, in June, was it? Correct, yeah. Joshua. Um, and he's been waiting for a long time. I mean, he's made almost a career out of stepping aside. He, he's gotten screwed from the IBF or stepped aside more times than he cares to remember at this point. Um, I don't think that that is insurmountable. If you offer him a, a reasonable guarantee, if, if MTK appeals to him and says, hey, listen, we need you to do this. Remember, he's also promoted by Top Rank. If Top Rank has a, a, a big enough financial interest, they could say, listen, Kubrat, we understand what your concerns are. Once again, we will have to make, up, make it up for you on the back end. Go, going back to Wilder for a moment, I don't mean to skip around. There are, a couple, there are a couple of unknowns. Um, he's never lost before. What, does it, what is a guy like after his first loss? I understand he wants to get it back. I believe he is a real warrior. But what's your head like really behind closed doors? He has been injured. We learned recently or relatively recently that he's coming off surgery. Do you want to go right back into Tyson Fury after that? Third, there are concerns by his own admission with his corner. It is in a state of flux. I don't know if anyone knows exactly what that corner is going to look like. So in the interim, would it not seem rational to get a whole bunch of money to step aside, to bide some time, to accustom yourself to your surgically repaired bicep, to your first knockout loss, and to potentially your new corner? Now, th those are all reasonable things. It doesn't make him any less tough to step aside, but there are, you know, there, those are perfectly rational considerations. But again, the only thing that really matters right now is the number that comes back from the Saudis because it's going to have to be lucrative enough to pay Wilder to step aside and pay Pulev to step aside. However, if you're gonna get about 60 million bucks, as uh, Mike Coppinger cited a figure the other day in The Athletic, you're gonna get $60 million site fee for Ruiz Joshua, what the hell would you get for this? I mean, you know, how many more times valuable is, is this fight than that? So before everyone poo-poos it, think about what that fight would be worth. I, I don't know. I'm not a businessman. If I, you know, if I were smarter, I, I, you know, I'd be doing something else. But. 
Mark, there's a lot of things there that you said I want to touch back upon uh, later on, but let's just establish something first. So in the report that you put out, you mentioned Saudi Arabia, and I think you mentioned Qatar as well. Is that correct? Uh, I said there were other, there were other places. Right. Okay. I, I think I did, I, not mention, I did not mention Qatar. Okay. But right. I, I wouldn't think that you're incorrect. But. All right. So we know there's various, let's say, territories in the Middle East uh, making approaches to MTK about this fight. How much has have talks developed? Because this story um, really gathered pace because we we knew. Saudi Arabia and the Middle East was going to be an option. But we hadn't really heard there was talks going on. Firstly, how long have these talks been going on? And are they developing these talks from what you know? Months and yes. Months? I believe so, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it depends how you parse these words. Talks, negotiations. I knew that there, there were several people I talked to took umbrage at the term negotiations. I, I don't know how you parse it legally but it's boxing, people talk. And, and the only thing that, I, I hate to use the cliche, but in the end, money will talk the loudest and the most definitively. You know, you, nothing is really, everything is conceivable, everything is in play, but until you get a firm number back, and I don't have that, um, you can't proceed rationally. You know, if, if, the, if, the number, if the number is no good, and the number from the other suitors are, are, are insufficient, then you'll go on with the schedule of fights after the pandemic. If the number blows you away and then it's guaranteed, again, by smarter people than me, now you got something, now you got something that's real. In terms of location, I spoke to Bob Aram. He also mentioned the possibility of Macau, China, being involved with this fight. And he said right. that top rank are talking to them. Have you heard anything on that front, Mark? No. But Bob said it, so. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, again, I think that <clears throat> you're coming out of something that's unprecedented. But I also think that, that all the parties are incentivized on the back end of this pandemic, whenever this is, to maximize, uh, to, to maximize the, the money. I mean, look, under the best of circumstances, they're incentivized to maximize the money. But I think the situation becomes more urgent now. People are really going to care only about the bottom line. Let's talk about Deontay Wilder because the general consensus seems to be that if he steps aside, as you said, top rank can kind of convince Pulev to step aside. And he's done that before in his career. So let's talk right. about Deontay Wilder, which seems like the biggest stumbling block from uh, Fury Joshua happening next. Do you think it makes logical sense? Uh, in terms of the financial incentive, and also if he can get something written up in the contract where he says he has a shot at the winner for all four belts uh, next year, that does seem like a very uh, logical argument. I don't, I don't think, <clears throat> and perhaps I'm remiss in not mentioning this earlier, but, you know, Deontay's a true fighter. I don't think that there's any question that he would sign up for this if he weren't guaranteed the winner and his rematch. I, I don't, I don't, don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not saying that he would step aside for the stake of stepping aside. He would only step aside for this. This is me, me talking, but it is rational. I think that he would only step aside for to buy himself some time, figure out where he is, 
not an irrational consideration, and it's some extra money. So what I would think is rational on Deontay's end, if he wants to do this, and he might just want to say, I don't care, I'm not going to entertain any offer at all. You give me that guy right now. And the same, the same force of ego that got him to where he was the night of that fight will deliver him back. That, that's a possibility, too. He doesn't want to listen to anyone or anybody. <clears throat> but human nature being what it is, <clears throat> I'm in a new situation. If they're going to give me, if I'm going to buy myself some time and get some money to figure out where I am and come back as a more effective fighter, as long as I get those two guys on the back end. And if this <clears throat> deal makes it more likely that I can fight the both of them, then I think you, you, you got something. But I don't think that Wilder would agree, knowing Wilder as I do, to the extent that I do, I don't think Wilder would agree to a damn thing if he didn't get big fights on the back end of this, if you weren't guaranteed those fights on the back end, starting with the winner. Of course. Mark, we know this is a, a unique situation where two Brits hold all four belts in the heavyweight division. How big, though, is this fight in America? Because Joshua and Fury are absolutely massive over here, arguably the two biggest sportsmen, let alone boxers, uh, in this country. How well known are Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury in America, Mark? Anthony Joshua Lesto, I think that it's, um, it's germane that as far as America is concerned, he failed in his debut on the biggest stage. In Madison Square Garden, he got knocked out after all that hype. Um, Fury, Fury is a bit different. Um, you know, I've done so many stories on television and print and, uh, on Fury that he's, he's a little bit of a different creature. I, I was doing a radio show with a New York station the other day. And the host, and a lot of these guys, unlike you guys, are, are goddamn oblivious to boxing. But he said to me, I got back into it because of Tyson Fury. And, and to, my, to my mind, Tyson Fury is almost as a, as a conception his sensibilities are American. He loves Vegas. He loves putting on a show. He loves being the center of attention. He doesn't believe in false modesty. He's a showman. Um, and, and curiously enough, to me, I remember being in, in Sheffield in, I don't know, 99, I think it was, thereabouts, at the start of, of Nassim Hamed's uh, coming to the States on HBO. And I thought that Hamed really started that, that he, he was the first British fighter to look to America and, and, and say, I, I, don't believe in, I don't believe in this sort of false modesty. I want to go to America and really sell myself. So I think that the, and I, I don't mean to, to go too far away from your question, but I think that what, what Nassim started, you see its ultimate expression in Fury. So I think that, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, I apologize, right. um, that, that Fury is really the, the, the ultimate expression of that, the Brit coming to conquer the States and not being shy about it at all. I mean, look, Fury said he likes fighting in Vegas better than, better than anywhere else. 
again, the money would have to be enough for him to fight, um, to fight in Saudi. But he also prides himself, listen, I'll fight in mine shafts, I'll fight you know, in, in pubs, wherever, like my ancestors. I think he's serious with that too. But he loves Vegas and, and he loves America. I asked that question because just out of pure interest, how big is that fight just in America I'm talking about, uh, Fury Joshua? It's, it's big, it's huge. We would hype the hell out of it. Um, but it's not as big in the States as it would be in the UK. I mean, you, you, guys, you guys are better boxing fans than we are, plain and simple. Um, and that's, uh, I think that's been something um, for Americans to get accustomed to over the last decades. I mean, Americans rely on fighters from the UK now. And they rely on fans from the UK. I mean, I, I was there the night that um, Carl Frampton won in Brooklyn. And it was effing extraordinary. You know, it, 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 was, it was amazing. I, I, I still, you know, even though he got knocked out, I've never seen fans the way I've seen fans for Ricky Hatton against Mayweather. The way, the way guys came in and camped out at the MGM for, for an entire week. And the fact of the matter is um, they're way more passionate fans than most Americans, <laughs> simple. And, and any promotion in the States, any potential promotion in the States would rely on you know, fans from the UK coming over. Mark, we know that ESPN are a pro pay-per-view platform for certain fights. DAZN, the whole existence of DAZN is that it's non-pay-per-view, the whole model. Right. In the UK, it should be okay. Sky and BT, both pay-per-view platforms. Fury, Joshua, no worries. In America, how's that going to work with DAZN and ESPN? I'm, I'm, again, I think that the money's big enough, they'll find a way. You know, it'd be an initiative. Don, listen, Don, Don King and Bob Arum could do business back in the day. No one hated each other more than, more than those two guys. You know, it, it all comes down to what's in the pot. You know, Arum and Heyman could do business. Again, the question is, what's in the pot? Is it, is it big enough to make my rival, or in some cases, my enemy, my friend? Is it big enough to forge temporary alliances? Um, that's the number that will determine everything. And it's Lock not necessarily from Saudi, it's from the other, you know, the other promotions too. Last question, Mark. From that story you did, what would you give a percentage chance that Fury <laughs> Joshua happens next? Million dollar question. If I were a bookmaker, you'd be calling me in Vegas. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. I, I mean... You can think about it rationally and like do the math. And I'm not, I'm not avoiding your question, but I, I, I'd be crazy to put a number on it. But if here's what I come back to. If Ruiz Joshua is 60 million in Saudi, what the hell is Fury Joshua? Now, if you can give me a rational answer to that, if you can give me the number, say 200, 150, 100, I don't know. You give me a number on that, I'll get you a ballpark percentage. How's that? I'd say, I'd say $150 million is, a, is around the right mark. One so, 
let's say you get 150 million, right? Do you think that's enough to pay out Pulev and Wilder? You'd imagine so. And there's the answer, Mark Kriegel. Thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. Uh, wish you the best uh, for the rest of lockdown, but hopefully see you soon, whether uh, that's me coming to the States or you coming to the UK. But yeah, thanks for your time and God bless. Take care, Omar. Stay safe, buddy. Thank you, Mark. Cheers. Fuadi are back on Behind the Gloves with another news update keeping you guys up to date with all things combat. Now some heavyweight news for you guys and um, Andy Ruiz has finally decided which uh, coach he's going to go with, which team he is going to join and as expected as the rumours were circulating it is Team Canelo and Eddie Reynoso. Um, I think this is, you know, a good move. I mean, obviously, leaving Manny, in my opinion, may not have been the most ideal thing to do as a fan. Um, I'm sure a lot will agree with me because, you know, Manny's a great coach and what he did with Andy to take him where he did was a great job. And, um, yeah, so it, it was interesting when he left him. You, you, he had all these options. Where would he go? But I think he fits right into the Canelo team. Obviously, he's Mexican heritage, so he'll feel right at home with these guys. Um, and Eddie Reynoso posted this picture um, of Canelo, Andy and himself. And he captioned it, welcome to the team, Andy. Let's hit it and good. Um, and interesting as well, he tagged every fighter that was um, part of the camp. And you know what? Looking at their camp, they've got a very, very solid team now. So obviously Andy Ruiz, they've got Canelo, they've got Oscar Valdez, they've got Ryan Garcia, they've got Frank Sanchez, they've got Luis Neri, and also they've got the WBC uh, flyweight champion, Ray Martinez. Now that is a winning team right there. That is a brilliant, brilliant squad of fighters. If someone were to ask you to make... Um, a camp of fighters, this one may just win. This one is a solid, solid team. This is one of, one of their best teams in boxing, in my opinion. And the fighters they've got is just absolutely class. I don't think... I, I actually can't think of a better team in terms of a, a, a bunch of fighters under one under one roof. So this is a brilliant team. Let's see how Andy sort of adapts to uh, Eddie's coaching style. I think, I think it's going to benefit him in some sense because... Obviously, he's already a counter-puncher. And if you look at the way Canelo fights, if that's sort of a tactic, you know, they use or something, you can see what line I'm going down. Uh, but maybe he can polish Andy up. Who knows? Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he performs under Eddie. Um, in my opinion, I think Andy's still a big threat in the heavyweight division. So let's see what happens. Uh, let's see if I, Eddie can uh, discipline him anymore. Uh, but it's exciting times. Hopefully, we can get back to boxing very, very soon. I hope you all well. Stay safe and catch us in the next video. Hey Fight fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye Fight fans.
don't, I don't really, um, I really um, spoke to him much these days, to be honest. Um, I just let my lies and deal with him because um, I've just been focusing on training. Because training's been frustrating. I've had been up, ups and downs with the fights and stuff. So I've just been focusing on my training, man. And just let, let the guys deal with him because it's been frustrating. I don't want to snap at him and, and, and while out. So I've just been focusing on my training and leave it, leave it to, to the other guys. The, the, the smarter, cooler heads in my team to deal with. Why have you snapped at Eddie Hearn? A few times I wanted to strangle him. You know, there's been a few times where I felt like just getting up and writing him off. But, you know, obviously he's a vital part of my career, you know, and um, I do respect the guy. Don't get me wrong. I do, I do, I do respect the guy, but, you know, I don't know, man. I respect him. He respects me. Definitely mutual respect there. But, you know, he could make my life a lot easier and his life a lot easier because I'll fight anyone. Uh, any fight he mentioned to me, I take it. It's not like I'm difficult, I'm a prima donna, or I don't bring value and all of that. I bring all of these things. I accept these fights, you know. Baby Miller, yes. Elenius, yes. Charles Martin, yes. Deontay Wilder, yes. Joseph Parker, yes. Anthony Joshua, yes. Whosoever, yes. You know, yes, 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 yes. If Eddie give me 10 names, I say, Eddie, anyone he can make, get back to me. And I don't understand it. I don't understand what's the problem. I heard you saying some interesting comments there when you were asked about Anthony Joshua that you believe that he has peaked and doesn't get any better physically. Um, he'll get a bit more experience. Wise. But that's it. I don't think he'll get any fitter, any stronger, any faster. He'll get a bit more experience, but that's it. You know, that's that, that's it. The margin, you know, like you can only become so much physically. You know, get, get myself physically the best condition I can and jacking myself position as much as I can then at the end of the day this is what I have a promote it's up to him to make the moves for me and trust in me and invest time and money and effort into me for me to get to this position because I believe in myself and I put a graph in and I show up and I fight and I'll fight anyone it's just up to him to to, to put more on the table for me to get to where I need to get to we've been working together for three years now it's trust issue there we haven't got no contract Every fight is fight by fight, you understand? There's no contract, you know what I mean? I stay with them out of loyalty because that's what I am, I'm a loyal person, you understand? It's not, like, I, I can walk out whenever I want, but I choose to stay there because of loyalty and we will do good business. When we're doing good business, the business is good. Good business, I'm, I'm easy to match. Eddie's never said to me, do you want this fight? And I said, no, you know? Even sometimes my, my coach, Mark, said, oh, are you sure about that fight? And I said, listen, let's have it. We'll train, we'll get ready and we'll do it, you know? But, so it's easy, it's an easy job, you know what I mean? I'm like an easy guy to, 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 to promote and to manage and train. Easy, you know. As my coach, he never said let's do 20 rounds today and I said let's not, I said let's do 21. You know, that's, that's my mentality, my mindset.
So seconds out, delighted to be joined by Sam Eggington, former European champion, of course, at Welterweight, albeit now plying his trade away up at Super Welter, which is what we have yeah. to call it these days. Much to my chagrin. How are you doing? All right, pal, yeah. Yeah, I'm just in lockdown. Yeah, I'm all right. The beard, the beard tells its own story. Yeah, I had the, I had the missus trying to uh, get the missus to whip her one round side, a little blade on the beard, try to neaten it up as much as possible. But <laughs> well, at least you had a go. Doing that what, what's your kind of lockdown life consisting of at the moment? What's your day to day? Honestly, pal, yeah. Um, I know it's bad because obviously of what's going on and people are dropping like flies and it's not great, but for me, this lockdown couldn't come at a better time. I, um, I just had a baby. I had a baby. Um, the third of February. Congratulations. Um, so I was I was gonna have to be training and, and you know, I was getting ready for a fight the twenty eighth of March. So the fact that they, they locked us down and I was staying in the house, you know, has has kind of done me some favours, you know what I mean? I, I was, I've I've had way more time around, you know, my daughter than I would have, if that if that makes sense. Because, you know, by the time I, I go train and come back you know, we've napped through the day, you know, a baby. Um, and by the time we get home with a night, you know, I probably won't have seen her all that much. But, you know, I have to I have to box to pay the bills. So this has come, you know, at, at decent times. Is this your first child? No, it's my third. Third? Yeah. I've got, um, I got two boys. Got as a... young as your boxing career. I did, mate. I started the family before my boxing career. <laughs> well, before. 26, um, aren't you? Yeah, I got an um, I got an eight year old. He's nine in June, so I started nice and early. Jesus, thirty four pro fights and three kids. You must feel like a veteran. No, that's why. That's why I look like a demon. <laughs> I'm all old. And... I'm sure it could be a lot worse. But yeah, all so this you died. <laughs> Are you being quite like hands on then? Yeah, I mean, oh, I have been with all of them. I mean, I know a lot of people say it. And, you know, most people are, but yeah, I do I do as as much as I can. You know, the night feeds and all that. I, I've done that, but with both the boys, um, it's more of a struggle now. With for some reason, it's just harder to wake up. But I try I try and do as much as I can. Yeah, um, baths, um, night feeds, uh, everything, anything. What was the plan for March twenty eighth? I know you were supposed to be fighting, but who who were you fighting? How many rounds and stuff did that? Um, that all worked out? I didn't have an opponent. I couldn't tell you where, where he was from or what his name was. I think he'd won twenty three and lost thirteen or something something like that. I couldn't tell you where he was from, um, but I was doing an eight rounder. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm still hopefully doing an eight or ten rounder when it, when it's re it's rescheduled. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, eight or ten rounder. And a couple of fights ago, you had a massive win out in Italy. Um, but yeah. a really highly touted Italian fighter in two rounds, Orlando Fidigiglio, I believe. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I think I've said that right. That's just copying the commentators on the night. Um, how important was that, in hindsight, to your career? Because you were on kind of shaky run, and then that's just put you right back in it, and top five world ranking as well. Yeah, I mean... Another key to that similar issue there, and I think what it shows is, yeah, is that you've got to take your opportunities as they come. The Liam Smith opportunity come. I weren't really in any position to fight Liam Smith at the time, but I took it, I lost, it weren't great. It just shows that the opportunities come because within a month or two, I'd offered, I was offered another huge fight in the middle of Italy somewhere, 
um, against a kid who was ranked fifth in the world for for a decent bout. Um, and that's come. And, I d- and that year alone just shows you that when there's an opportunity, you know, you should really take it. You know, the Liam Smith thing didn't work out. But within a month or two, there was another one there. So I think I think a lot of people need to be told, you know, the the old the old's great, you know, being unbeaten, but it don't count for everything. Um, but yeah, it, you know, you just gotta take your opportunities. The Italian thing was great, worked out perfect. Um, just before the end of the year, and I even got a, a four, I think four or six round ring after that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah, so you're kind of a bit of a throwback fighter, aren't you? In that you've had, for 34 fights and 26 years old, you've had quite a lot of big name fights and, and kind of headline acts and that kind of thing already. Yeah. Again, again, it's literally just... Te- uh, it's, 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 I don't get me wrong, I've worked hard. I, I, I do everything I'm told and more, but a lot of it's luck. Like, like the second prize fighter, um, I got beat in the first prize fighter. I was in the first rounds. Yeah. I don't think I showed anything in the first prize fighter that, granted me a second opportunity in the, in the second prize fighter um, but with luck somehow you know I've got that shot um, Barry was there on the night I lost in a, I don't think it was a great decision and then you know Barry luckily enough Barry come out and said we'll get you on, on, on another Sky show and I kind of just brushed it off at the time because I was just presuming he was saying that to all the lads um, but he, he, you know he was a man of his word and you know he got us out again why is Barry Hearn such a huge fan of yours? I mean, lots of us are huge fans of yours, but why is he really uh, focused in on you? I th- honestly, I think as like I say, he's throwback. You know, he likes he likes the um, the hard work. He likes the fact that someone's got to work hard to get to where they want to be. Um, you know, a lot of people winning bouts and and doing great these days are the touted amateurs that you know make it look easy. I think Barry understands and where, what he's done himself. You know, he, he come from nothing himself. He understands the hard meaning of hard work, and you know, when you want something, you've got to put it all in to get it. And you said earlier that when you fought Liam Smith, obviously lost brave attempt, but lost in five rounds. You weren't really in a position to fight him. You obviously your ultimate goal is to get to that level. So, what are the areas of your game that you feel you need to work on to make that you know difference up? I need to, to slip a few punches on the way in, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, but a lot of it is just... I get I get too brave, I think. Um, I don't I don't think as much... Like, if I get a bit, a bit of success, I forget what gets me that success. And then I just think I have to, you know, play in and, and do, what I, do what I want. Um, and that's not the case. I just need to think a bit more in the ring. I mean... Um, I don't know. I suppose it just depends on who you're fighting at the time. Um, take less chances, I suppose. Do do things a bit more clever. Like, there's no other fight that I've walked into that I thought I ain't fought. I'm going to knock this kid out tonight nice and early. <laughs> and maybe I need to change that mindset, do you know what I mean? But I don't know. There's a few things, obviously. I suppose experience helps with all of that. The amount of people you fought and the different styles, the more you do that, yeah. the more your own style is going to change and evolve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of different styles. I mean, um, I've had I've had runners. You know, I've had people that come and have a fight. Um, so I've I've worked on everything. But by the time the next camp comes around, I forgot the last camp, so I need to do it all again. <laughs> but I don't know. 
it is what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm always working. I'm always trying. I'm always working hard, and um, it's coming together to a point. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, really think about what I'm doing. Well, probably not this year, but as the years come on, next year maybe. And as a pro, is Liam Smith the best you fought? Um, do you know what? I've done a lot of rounds with Liam Smith, um, a lot of sparring rounds, and he, 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 he's very, he don't waste nothing, I think, I think it's the best thing, you know, Liam Smith don't throw a combination of four and hit you with maybe two, he'll definitely hit you three of them four punches, he don't waste a lot at all, and when, everything he does, it, like I was just saying, like, I have to think about what I'm doing, and I think Liam Smith is a perfect example of that, because Liam Smith don't move in the boxing ring without a reason for that movement. Do you know what I mean? Like he, if he goes left, he's doing it for a certain reason. If he goes right, the same thing. If he throws a jab, it's because he's got something coming off it or, you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great example. He, he just, everything he does is for a reason. You know, there's nothing he does to waste. He don't waste no energy. You know, like he doesn't have to waste. He don't throw any punches. That you know, no, don't normally land, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's a great example. But is he the best you fought? Probably, yeah, probably, probably just he's not the best at everything. There's been faster kids, there's probably even there's definitely been kids that have hit harder, but you know, all like, everyone's got their own thing. Like, some people are super fast, so that's why you can't beat them, some people are hit hard, so that's why you can't beat them. Liam Smith's just all round good at most things. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, most people work on other things that to their advantage. But I think Liam's just good all round, all round. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, from top to bottom, Liam, Liam's good. His footwork's decent. His head movement's good. You know, he, he throws his combinations really well. Whereas most people have just got one of them that's really good and then others that are lacking. Whereas Liam Smith sort of, you know, on par with everything, if, if that makes sense. While we're talking about your former opponents, we saw Mohamed Mamoun not too long ago yeah. in the semi-final of the MTK Golden Contract. What, what did you make of that fight? I didn't catch it, you know, I didn't catch it, but <laughs> I had a lot of people ringing me saying, you know, he, he's really, really been robbed. Did you see it? Yeah, I, I watched it back. I, I had him winning, but I thought it was quite close. I thought the commentators made it seem more one-sided than it was. Yeah, I see. I ain't watched it. I mean, I heard he was a good three rounds in front. Yeah, I think I had him by either one or two at the end. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. Like I say, I ain't watched it. I felt bad for him here at the time. He's a cool guy. You know, he still talks to me today. Um, but it is what it is. Boxing, ain't it? You get decisions sometimes. Sometimes you don't. What's kind of the roadmap for you now? Like you said, IBF number five, which is a great position to be in. I think one of those spots above you might be vacant as well, which yeah. is in, in effect you're actually number four. How yeah, far yeah. away are you from a world title shot and what's the route map to getting there? I think after winning the title, the plan was to defend it as soon as possible. Um, so I think I've never been in any sort of position to, to have an argument for some sort of eliminator of some sort and I think I am now I think being, being like you say fifth you know fourth in the IBF I've got some sort of argument to 
say, look, I need, I want to eliminate it now. I, I should really get one. Um, but some of that sort, definitely a defensive about. And then I just got to buy more time because I think there's a final limit that has already been fought. Um, a Russian kid fought a Spanish. Yeah, so I think he's he, he fought a final eliminator. So I think no matter what happens, someone's waiting, um, unless someone wants to do it a voluntary. But um, to defend it or, or some sort of eliminator would be, would be great, I think. I think that's the best way to go. Um, if I got a European title shot, if someone rang me and, and said that, yeah, as long as it was fair, I mean. I always say I'll take any fight as long as you know the deal's fair. Everyone gets what they should get. You know, everyone gets what they deserve. Don't just offer me a total and offer me you know tuppence because that's not that's not fair. That's that's not I'm not going to take that. You know, but although when I win titles, I've got a family to feed as well. So everything needs to be you know on point with the other thing. So if the, a European total shot comes up, it's the change. I'm not going to take that because that that'd be stupid to do. So I think if a decent fight come around for the Europeans, I'd take it. But I think other than that, um, I think eliminate is a good idea or defend about that. Or, or, or obviously won't. What surprised me when I looked at the IBF ratings, obviously I expected you to be quite high up after the Fidig- for your De Giglio win. God, I'm not going to say that again. Um, yeah. Was that uh, JJ Metcalf is number four with the IBF. So... It's a domestic fight, one that you'd probably consider a winnable yeah. fight, and that could easily be an IBF eliminator, number five against number four. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I don't think, I know this is going to sound bad, I mean, I've never met Metcalf, I don't, I've got nothing against him. I don't think that that fight's worth having for me if it's not an eliminator. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know he beat Wildborn after Wildborn went to America. I understand that, but you know, I don't think that fight's worth me taking unless you know he's eliminated of some sort. Do you know what I mean? So if it was eliminated, I'll take it up. You know, in, in seconds, I, I thought I think that's a great fight. Cause I didn't saw much of him really. I've only saw him stop um, Wildborn. I didn't watch all that fight. I only watched like you know clips. But um, from what from what I've heard, it'd be a great fight. And if it was eliminated, I think it'd be an easy fight to make. Yeah, I agree. And I assume you feel the same way about a kind of domestic trio at the moment with um, Cheeseman, Fitzgerald and Fowler, that unless there's something bigger than domestic supremacy or whatever on the line, you're not really interested in those fights anymore. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is people think I'm, I'm being, um, you know, big-headed and, you know, I'm better than them. That's not the case. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just saying at the moment that don't make sense to me. What You know what I mean? I've, you know, Fowler, has fought for the British and lost. Did he fight for the British? Yeah, he fought for the British and lost. Yeah. Um, Cheeseman, you know, fought for the European and lost. And, and Fitzgerald just won the, um, the British. So, to me, none of them make sense really, unless, you know, they're really big words there. Um, well, I lost to Fitzgerald. But I don't think we'll on the line, I should say that, just in case he... Won't it? <laughs> no, because I think oh, Fitzgerald no, of course, won no, it afterwards. He... He won, yeah, he did, he, he did. Yeah, you're right. So like an inter strap or whatever, and then he beat Cheeseman for the British. Yeah, you're right. I was on that card. <laughs> you should be telling me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't think any of them make sense unless there's big money there. But um, if there's some sort of eliminator about it, 
And if they can get them in for that, then then I'm well up for it. You've got a lot of admirers out there, not just Barry Hearn, of course, a lot of fans that admire the way you go about your work, humble but hardworking, aggressive as well, which people love in the ring. Yeah. What What's your motivation? What do you do it for? I, I think, because uh, I didn't box, look, I'd quit the amateur stuff. I didn't even do a senior season. I'd quit, I got a job. Um, and as soon as my son come, um, I had a mate of mine from the amateur, you know, Craig Cunningham. Yeah. We went to the same amateur club. And he was he was turning over, um, you know, properly, you know, really like doing it as as good as he could. And I heard about the journeyman thing, so as soon as I had my son, and I lost my job. I thought I need to, you know, to earn something because you know it's not just me now. And I, I thought if I do the journeyman thing, we lose or draw, come back most weekends with, you know, a nice weather change in my pocket. I do that. Um, so it's the kids, man. And anything I, I can do to. To, to better myself for them in, in a sense you know set them up in any way and I'll do it I'll do it in a heartbeat so you know the fact that we're, we're winning now is a bonus but I would have still been doing it now you know for the kids if I was a journeyman as well so so yeah I mean winning belts is lovely and I always want to I do want to go out and win belts for me but if I weren't winning belts and I was on the road then I'd do it I'd, I'd still be doing the same thing for them so I think it all all roles lead back to the kids if you know what I mean and there's anything I can do for them to set them up you know or or help them out I'll do it Are you uh, planning for many more going to go for the football team? Um, Mate if, if I win the lottery I'll, I'll, I'll knock loads out I will <laughs> I love it I do but it all depends on you know uh, how, how, how I'm living but at the moment three is enough um, we're just we're just that bursting point now in the house. So any more, and it will explode. Fair enough. Well, really appreciate you finding some time to to speak to me, and um, I look forward to seeing you back in the ring as soon as possible. Cheers, pal. I appreciate you having me on. So uh, any time as well. Brilliant. All right, we'll take All care. Right. Stay safe, and I'll see you soon. And you, pal. Cheers. Cheers mate. mentioned Anthony Joshua throughout this we're talking about him potentially fighting Tyson Fury potentially fighting Kubrat Pulev and everybody else one person who I never thought I would talk about him potentially fighting is Carl Froch those two have been getting into some oh, interesting yeah. bits and pieces lately yeah it's an awkward one really because like Carl's a good friend of mine and I think Carl's very outspoken and he's just said a few things that I think are probably just you know I think as well, Robert, uh, I think people sometimes would like forward stuff onto people and go, "We've seen this, you know, we've seen this." And sometimes, like not having a pop at you or Coogan, but sometimes your titles don't always represent the tone of a sentence, right? So there's been times where I've seen one of your titles or Coogan's titles, and I thought, "What? Cheeky fuck it!" And then actually, you read it or you watch it, and it's like, "Oh, right, okay, it wasn't quite like that." So 
I just think that Carl, you know, I think the the one was about AJ on a pound for pound list or something, and Carl not on a pound for pound list and stuff like that. Carl's just so competitive, you know, and it's almost like he's still fighting. He's still fighting for that recognition. I think one of the issues with Carl is he never got that recognition in his career until really late. Not not again, not being arrogant, but until he got with us and particularly Sky, you know, and they really made him the star that he is. So he's always got that little chip on his shoulder. I did it the hard way. Now, I came up when I boxed Jermaine Taylor. No one fucking watched it. It was one of the most epic fights and comebacks of, of all time, let alone British boxing history. So he's ultra competitive, but, you know, he does he does like AJ, but sometimes he'll say things that, you know, rub people up the wrong way. That's Carl Fox. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't want him any other way. Going to uh, sidestep the insinuation that I partake in any kind of clickbait and just ask you, <laughs> who, yeah. ask you if you think Carl Froch has a point. Do you think he deserves to be in the top ten pound for pound? Yes, I do. Yeah. Where I would do. you have him? I think AJ deserves it as well. But listen, Carl Froch, um, Carl Froch isn't everyone's cup of tea, and he does say some silly things sometimes. But let me tell you one thing about Froch: is he's a proper geezer, mate. He's a proper fire. Go back over his career. You know, look at the fights that he was in. We talk about pound for pound because but the issue is he never got the recognition. Go and watch the Pascal fight. You know, watch the Jermaine Taylor fight. Watch Kessler one. Watch Kessler two. You know, of course, the two Groves fights. He fought Andre Ward in a, in a unification fight in the Super Six final. You know, beat Ben Johnson. Like he, he made a proper resume. He would have fought anyone. And um, it's the fight that I would love to see more than anything. Is Frotch Beagle off. Although someone said the other day, I mean, Fox Golovkin was a fight that maybe could have happened, not, was never really close. But the actual one, one of the dream matchups is Fox against Nigel Ben. What? Would have been brutal. So. Okay, Eddie. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, thanks very much, as Bye, always, mate. speaking to Boxing Social. I'll let you get back to your um, your yeah, your days of teaching. <laughs> um, if you've mate, got any final words, soon. mate, uh, let's have them no, there. No, not really. Just start your engines. Start your engines. Well, I think that hope is here. We're coming through this. Not long to go. Get ready. Be ready. Be smart. Get ready to put the hours in. It's going to be very, very tough. I'm still putting the hours so, in, Eddie. Look at the state of me. Oh, good man. That's all you can do. <laughs> Just keep breathing. Cheers, Eddie. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye. <laughs>